We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on local now, channel 525. Maybe we're called for such a time as this to live in this dark city. Maybe we're called here to not leave the dark city because we have the message of hope. Welcome to Core Truth Radio, a radio ministry of Core Church Los Angeles with pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn. Pastor Steve will be teaching the Word of God with truth right from the Bible. For more information, go to corechurchla.org. That's corechurchla.org. For today's Core Truth, we're picking up in part two of our message titled, Who Am I? Let's jump right in. The fool has says in their heart, there is no God. They are corrupt, God says. They have committed abominable deeds. There is no one who does good. See, the world says, no, we're all good. We're good because we're helping the homeless. And the homeless are getting better because of all these billions of dollars we're throwing at them. No, it's getting worse. Aren't you seeing that you're not helping anything? You're making it worse? You're enabling people to be slack jaws and not work? The Bible says if a man doesn't work, he shouldn't eat. But we're saying, no, don't work and we'll keep paying for you not to work. And we'll keep paying for you to do this. We'll keep paying for you to do that. And we're not going to have any law and order here because if we arrest you for something, we're going to let you out immediately so you can go back and commit more crime. The Bible says, don't you know that when you don't come down on a crime and and, and punish an evil deed, that those who commit the evil deeds will be empowered to do more? But that's what we do because we've abandoned God. And so the Bible says, you've done no good. The, the Lord has looked down from heaven upon the sons of men to see there are not any who understand, who seek after God. They have all turned aside together. They have become corrupt. There is no one that does good, not even one. That's what the Bible says. There's none righteous, no, not one. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So God doesn't patronize us. He doesn't come to us. Oh, you're so good. And you have a couple little areas of boo-boo that I'd like to fix, okay? No, God comes to humanity and says, you've sinned. You're not righteous. Oh, people don't like that. No, no, I'm, I'm a good person. It's like, what, in your eyes? Romans 1 says they profess themselves to be wise but they became fools. Look what's happened to us. Look at how we live. Look at where we are. It's like, yes, God's take on us, leaving us on our own. We are a mess. And haven't we proven that? Like how much more proof do we need? Just look at America, a nation that used to be the superpower of the world. We were dominant in industry and every aspect of life. We came out of World War II as the mega power. Now look at us today. We used to make our boast that we were one nation under God. It's printed on our money. It's in our Pledge of Allegiance. It's in our national anthem. Yet today, we have excommunicated God from our own country. No more prayer in schools. No more crosses on any city or governmental agency. No more Ten Commandments posted in any of our courtrooms. 
although Moses is holding the Ten Commandments on top of the Supreme Court in Washington, D.C., but we'll just pretend that that's not there. Yet in the midst of all of that, to answer David's question, what is man that God would take thought of us? Well, guess what? I don't know why he does, but he does. God does take thought of us. For even in the midst of our fallen, broken, and hopeless lives, the Creator came down to walk with us as He laid His own life down on a cross to pay the penalty of sin that none of us could pay. None of us could pay. But the Creator died for you and for me. He died for His whole creation to carry our sin on His own body. Now as crazy as it sounds, anybody, even a Democrat, can come into a relationship with Christ. They can come into a relationship with God. We can come into something that is so much bigger than us. We can be part of the greatest mission of all time in seeing the work of God unfold in the lives of sinful men and women to redeem us from ourselves. Again, why? Because God loves us. In spite of us, in spite of being a Republican or a Democrat or a, you know, the, the, a, a moderate person or a liberal person, whatever, God can take all of us and get our eyes off of ourselves. But humanity must come to him on his terms. And what's God's terms? Repent. You have to come to me and repent of your sin. You have to say, oh God, I'm sorry. You know, repentance, what it means is the very word repent means stop, change directions, and go again. In a biblical sense, when we stop, it means stop going the way of the world. Change directions. What direction? The direction that you want? No, his direction. Come and follow me. Come and follow me. Go where I want you to go. Obey my word. Obey my commandments. Come and follow me. Repent and come and follow me. But why would God even care? That I cannot answer. Other than God has a love for his creation that is really above all that we could ever comprehend. Even to those that curse him. To the people that curse him. And his desire is to draw every one of them to himself. But don't make or let anyone you know make this mistake, that there is not a reckoning of our sin in store for us. Because the Bible says in Hebrews 9.27 that it's appointed for every man and woman to die once, and after this comes judgment. To go live as you want. Blow me off, curse my name, do whatever. But one day you're going to die and you're going to stand before me. You'll have to give an account of everything that you've ever done in your life. This is why God wants us to know and spare us of that day. Doesn't matter how liberal you are. Doesn't matter how conservative you are. God wants to spare us of the day of judgment. Which brings up our point, loving the oppressed. Let's move into chapter 9. Psalm 9, picking up in verse 9, and it says, The Lord also will be a stronghold for the oppressed. A stronghold in times of trouble. And those who know your name will put their trust in you. For you, O Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. Wow. 
Yes, the Lord, he is a stronghold. He is a stronghold. A stronghold is a place of refuge. A stronghold is a fortress. A stronghold is a tower of safety. A stronghold is an impregnable rock, a place of safety. And who is God this stronghold to? To the oppressed. In the original Hebrew language, the oppressed are those who have been afflicted. It's those who have suffered. It's those who have been beat down. It's those who have been discouraged. Those who have been abandoned. Those who have been left behind. Which brings up this question. Is there anyone living in Los Angeles that's oppressed? Is there anyone that's been beat down? Is there anyone that's been afflicted? Is there anyone that's been left behind? Anyone? They're all around us. And the church has been asleep. It's like, when's the last time that we invited someone to church? You just said, hey, why don't you come to church? We're surrounded by the oppressed. Everyone's medicating themselves. And we have the answer of hope. When have we spread it to somebody that you know? Someone that meets that definition of being oppressed, which they're all around us. We are called. God has urged you and me by the living God to be that voice of reason in this country that has lost its soul. Understand, a person that is lost spiritually is almost like a man who's lost on a trip. And his wife says, sweetie, do you know where we're at? I think we're lost. The husband's like, oh, absolutely not. We're not lost. I'm just getting my bearings straight. Okay, ladies, that means that your husband's completely lost. He has absolutely no clue where he is, but he's hoping that before long he can figure it out for himself before you realize that he's completely clueless, okay? I think for people to admit that they're lost is like them failing. Yet if we're lost and life is consuming us, shouldn't we reach out for help? Maybe there's so many around you that are so close to reaching out for help, but they're hesitating. And maybe just a word from you, maybe just a a word might go so far with them. It might open them up. An invitation. I went over to play basketball yesterday because I haven't played since we had the uh, Super Sunday the last time. And I'm just, you know, been busy. And every Friday something comes up and I usually play on Fridays. And so I went over there yesterday and there's two full courts there and nobody's there because it's 106 degrees. And I'm just like, but I got to play because I'm completely out of shape. Okay. But there's nobody there. So I start talking to this one guy. And so I was just shooting around him. He was talking and we're just talking. I just shared the, shared the Lord with him and just shared with him. But he was saying to me that there's this lady that lives in his apartment complex that, you know, her husband left her and, you know, he's watched her just kind of digress. Maybe she's oppressed. Maybe the person that was supposed to love her wasn't loving her anymore and she started drinking and, The other day, she was completely drunk and banging on everyone's door and police had to come out and 
She needs Jesus. How much can a person take before they just, they lose it? And it's like we have the message of eternal life and people are losing it all around us. Shouldn't we surrender to the one who's made us? Jesus said to those who have fallen, to those who are lost, to those who have given up, to those who are broken, to those who have been kicked, and those that are just been cast out by the ones that are supposed to love us. He said to them all, he said to the lost, he said to the lonely, come unto me, all you that are heavy laden and and burdened down, and I will give you rest. He's the only one that can give rest today. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me because I'm gentle and humble in heart. And if you do, you will find rest to your soul. Not just some fake rest. Let me pay off your loan. Let me do this. Let me give you some more money in the mail. Let me do that. Let me lower gas prices for a buck so you'll think, oh, this is so great. Gas prices have come down a dollar. Yeah, there's still two bucks more than they were. So it's like, instead of getting excited on this stuff that is frivolous, God says, I will give you rest for your soul, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Every true believer in Christ has been appointed by the God of heaven to not run from a dark time in a dark city. California, for the first time in the history of our uh, city or state here, First time in the history of California, we lost population last year. Why? Because people are like, I'm out of here. Maybe you're thinking the same thing. Man, I wish I could just move out of here, move to a red state, you know, move there. They don't have the insanity that we have here today. By the year 2035, everyone's going to buy electric. Then two days later, uh, if you have an electric car, don't charge them because we don't have any electricity to charge them. It's like, okay, okay, yeah, whatever, okay. So, you know, people just want to leave here. Is that what you want to do? Maybe we're called for such a time as this to live in this dark city. Maybe we're called here to not leave the dark city because we have the message of hope. We're called to shine the glory of Christ in the face of our present darkness. We are called to be a ray of hope where hope has been lost. To point people to the only one that can give us rest to our souls. To rest is to have relief. It's to cease from strife. It's to cease from the pain that we're all part of. Only God in the midst of our pain and horrible circumstances can give us rest. He's the only one that can give us a true peace inside that surpasses all understanding. But how is that possible? How can you Christians say that God can give you that kind of a peace by doing exactly what God told us to do? That's how you do it. You have to do it according to what he says, not what you think. What we think doesn't matter. What did God tell us to do in Philippians 4, 6? He says, be anxious for nothing. Be anxiety filled for nothing. It's in a command sense. Stop being anxiety filled. Are you filled with fear? God said, stop being anxiety filled. But by prayer and supplication, let your request be known unto God. So what God says is you do what I tell you to do. Stop being subject to the fear mongers. You come to me with whatever issue. And when you do what I say to do, then and only then will the peace of God that surpasses all understanding fill your heart and your mind. 
That's when God will fill your heart and your mind. When you do what I tell you to do. Psalm 9 verse 10 says, David said, that the Lord will not forsake those who seek after him. Did you hear that? The Lord will not forsake those who seek after him. Do you know what that means in the original Hebrew language? Those who seek after the Lord, he will not forsake them. That's what it means. That's a promise. He will never forsake you. He will never depart from you. That's why he told the disciples in the boat, you of little faith, I'm in the boat. You're not sinking with me here. You will not die with me here. He will not abandon us. Haven't we all been abandoned before? People have let us down. But God says, I will never leave you or forsake you. For those who seek after me, do you really seek after him? That's the message that all of Los Angeles needs to hear. And we have that message. It's in us. We just need to unleash it. For none of us can save ourselves, but God can save us all. He can meet us right where we're at. He created us, and God never meant for planet Earth to be our final stop. Jesus said he went to prepare a place for us. That's heaven. That's where we should put our focus on. And that's why he's going to return for us, because he went to prepare a place for us. Yes, heaven is a place where we are going to live eventually with the creator God himself. And he desires us to be with him there one day. And he will welcome us. But until then, before the rapture of the church takes place, when all true believers will be removed from planet earth, he is going to walk with us on this side of heaven as we serve him. As we be a voice of truth to those that are around us. Look at the empty seats here. If every one of us invited someone next week, this place would be overflowing and we'd have people in the overflow. Is there not one person that is oppressed in your life? There's not one person at your work? There's not some neighbor? There's not some guy walking down the street that's just oppressed? Why aren't we inviting them? It's like I'm just trying to navigate my way through here and just survive. We're not called to survive. We're called to thrive as believers in this time. That's what we're called to do. And we have a message, and it's simple. We're called to bear witness that there's a God in heaven that loves humanity. That his mercy and grace is available to every single person. Because our world has lost its inner soul. And what will we face? You know, what will we face? If we say nothing, it's not what we face. It's what everyone around us faces. A judgment. God wants us to have a face of light. Because if we don't have that face of light, there's an Antichrist that wants to suck everyone away. The Antichrist wants to build this world into a place where people fall away and die in their sin. Because he's going to hell in a handbasket. Satan, his destiny cannot be changed. So he knows that's where he's going. So every person that dies without knowing Christ, they get to spend eternity in hell with him. He's going to emerge as a world leader here soon. He's going to emerge to our bankrupt world that's lost its soul by forsaking God. 
And what will the people's attitude be here in these times that we live? It tells us in Psalm 10. This is the people's attitude of exactly what we're living in right here today. Which brings up our third and final point. Mistaking their creator. Look what it says as we go into Psalm chapter 10. Verse 3 says, For the wicked boasts of its heart's desire. We know how to do it. Just follow us. We know it. We know the way. And the greedy man curses and spurns the Lord. We don't need God. We figured it out ourselves. We are man. Look at us roar. Verse 4. The wicked in the haughtiness of his countenance does not seek the Lord. All his thoughts are, there is no God. There is no God. Look at children that are born with crippling diseases. And my aunt died of cancer. Like, she was a good person. It's like, look at what's going on in the world today. Starving children down in Africa. There is no God. There isn't anyone. Instead of looking at a world that's abandoned God, why should he even do anything for us? But the world says, there is no God. In these days in which we live, we are seeing a backlash on the church. For we live in a time where lifestyles are sinful, are exalted. Where babies are being killed. They have no voice over the woman that carries them in their womb. Sinful lifestyles, totally exalted. Babies being pulled out of the safest place that they should be in their own mother's womb. People boast of these things. Yeah, they said that there's, there's a big spike now in, in uh, you know, the Democrats you know, hanging on to some of the seats now because you know, people are now more pro-abortion than ever. Really? We've gotten that far away from God as we curse the Lord. And those who are called by his name are what now? Christians are bigots. They're fascists. And many will say, as it said at the end of verse 4, there is no God. But notice there's a progression to the non-believer here in Psalm chapter 10. Because it goes on to say in verse 11, drop down to verse 11 in Psalm 10, it says, he says to himself, God has forgotten. He has hidden his face. He will never see it. Yes, people that reject Christ will say, there is no God. Then in verse 11, uh, they'll even, if there, even if there is a God, he doesn't see our sin. Then we read a little further in chapter 10. We go down to verse 13. Why has the wicked spurned God? He has said to himself, you will not require it. Or better said, God's not going to judge us. We're good people. We're good. He won't judge us. Yes, the world has mistaken the God who's created it. They make three wrong assumptions here in Psalm chapter 10. First, it was in verse 4. They say, there is no God. And God says, only the fool says in his heart, there is no God. You're a fool. In number 2 in verse 11, the fool says, well, even if there is a God, he doesn't see what I'm doing, yet God sees everything we've done in the dark. It'll be all screamed in the rooftops of heaven. Psalm 139 says, God says, I have searched you, I have known you, I'm intimately acquainted with all your ways. I see everything you've done before you've done it. Nothing is hidden from my sight, and I'll bring everything to judgment. And number three in verse 13, well, even if there is a God, he will not hold me accountable. Galatians 6, 7, do not be deceived. Don't delude yourself. God is not mocked for whatever a man or a woman sows, that he will also reap. You will stand in judgment for everything you've done. Everything. Who are we 
as Christians. True Christians, not just Christians, but true Christians are a people of destiny. And we have been called, we have been urged by the creator of the universe for something that's so much bigger than us. We are still here for one reason. Jesus Christ has not allowed the rapture to happen yet for one reason. For us to share the message of love and forgiveness with a world that has lost itself. Yes, God can bring forgiveness. He can bring peace love and joy to this world. And the vehicle that he has chosen to use is his own people, you. Amen. That's all the time we have for today's message. You've been listening to pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn of Core Church Los Angeles. If you'd like to hear more messages by Pastor Steve, download the Core Church Los Angeles free app. Available on iOS and Android. Core Church is sponsored by and a listener-supported outreach of Core Church LA. If you have been blessed by this program, consider supporting our radio ministry by texting Core Church LA one word. That's Core Church LA to seven seven nine seven seven. And remember, there's a God in heaven who loves you.